Well, welcome again, everybody. Um, we are so pumped that we made it a year. <laughs> that's, that's what we're really excited about. Um, this year has been, um, for a lot of staff, we talked about it, it feels like um, this year happened, launch day was like two days ago and 10 years ago at the same time. Um, so I, I'm just so happy you guys are here to celebrate with us. Um, and you guys get a free present as you leave, just so you know. And here's what it is. You get an awesome Impact Church decal to put on your car. So as you leave today and you walk out those doors, there will be greeters handing these out to everybody that has a car. And if you don't have a car, you can take them and put it wherever you want, okay? So make sure you grab them. We have plenty of them. That's for you. But I do want to talk about some of the impact by the numbers of the, over this past year. Some of these numbers are pretty fun. So just so you guys know, here's what has happened over the past year. This past year, you all have drank over 750 cups of coffee, okay? That is approximately seven gallons of coffee that you all have drank, okay? That's a lot of coffee. For some of you, that's like, that's nothing, that's a month. But you've, some of you, it's a lot of coffee. Um, we have ran 59,095 feet of cord, okay? So all the cords you see, we, um, I made Pat do the numbers that he hated me for it. 59,095, that is here to Ellicott City. So in a year, that's how much feet of cord we have run. That's a lot. Um, we have played 212 worship songs, not 212 different worship songs, like that many times. We probably played like 40 or 50 different ones. Um, and the band has played these songs 424 times, including all the practices. So um, they, some of them might be sick of those songs. They played it so many times, but 212 songs. Um, we have done 132 hours of setting up. 132 hours of setting up on a Sunday morning. People start getting here around 7.45. Uh, we get all this set up um, pretty quickly, but 132 hours in a year. Um, we've had 792 kids checked in at our check-in over at Impact Kids, which is great. Um, and here's some more of the, of the, the fun numbers that just kind of pump me up. Um, we have served a combined 736 hours of service, not including Sunday mornings. That's all out there. So combine all of us, 736 combined hours. That's Be More Caring every third Tuesday of the month. That's going um, into the food pantry restock and doing the door knockers. That's the farmer's market. That's the park cleanup. That's the movie nights. That's the Easter egg hunt. That's our angel tree program. 736 combined hours that you all have served, which is amazing. Uh, here's another uh, stat that I love. We have given away 2,736 2, items. 2,736 items. That's Be More Caring meals and toiletries. That's the Baltimore Child Abuse Center. That's um, Pregnancy Center. That's school supplies. That's Christmas presents. Um, what we give these away because you invite people here. Every first-time visitor, we give $2 to a local charity organization, we, and we buy stuff for them. So that number is because you guys invite people here. And then here's where the, the numbers get really fun. 27 salvations and rededications this year, including nine people going public with their faith through baptism. Nine people going public with their face. So that has been Impact Church by the numbers. And I want to thank you guys for being here today or anytime you've been here to celebrate with us. Um, we are so excited for year two, what we're, what's going to be happening in the future. So throughout this series, we're in um, part three of our series, Roots. And throughout this series, we've been talking about some of the roots of us as a church and what some of the roots of you all as, as people, as followers of Jesus should be, some of our foundations. And here's what we said week one, if you missed week one, the root produces your fruit that the root in your life produces the fruit that you showed. So what you see, the things that you show that fruit in your life, that's produced by what's deep down, your foundations and your roots. We've been talking about our mission statement here at Impact Church, and if you're here for the first time, here's our mission statement. We want to help those that don't know Jesus to be impacted by Him, and we want to help those that already know Jesus to make an impact through Him. That's our mission. Everything we do is to accomplish this mission. Help those that don't know Jesus be impacted by Him, and help those that already know Jesus to make an impact through him. 
So we've been talking, last week we said, our, we talked about our first core value, which was our first main root of this mission statement, and that was worship. If you missed that, you can go to impactchurchmd.com slash uh, uh, roots, and you can catch up on those in our YouTube or podcast. Today we're talking about community, which is another root, it's another core value here at Impact Church is community. Um, I was looking up uh, some of the stats when it came to loneliness, and did you know loneliness is um, very dangerous for you? It is very dangerous for your health. Here's what loneliness, if you suffer from being lonely a lot, here's what it can do to you. You have um, obviously an increased risk of depression. Um, your body, when you are constantly lonely, it's like smoking 15 cigarettes a day health-wise, according to your body. This is according to the research that I've done. 15 cigarettes a day, that's the equivalent of you suffering from loneliness. You can have higher blood pressure because you're lonely. And the reason why all this stuff can happen is because we are created to be communal beings. We are created to need and want community. We all need it. We all want it. That's because that's how we're created. We believe that we serve a God who is community. He is three in one, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in his own being, he is community, and we are made in his image. See, we all need community, but more importantly, we all need godly community. We all need community, but more importantly, we need godly community. Here's what godly community is. Godly community is an intentional relationship designed to help fulfill your godly purpose. It's an intentional relationship, done happen by accident. You are intentional on making sure that you have these relationships. An intentional relationship that is designed to help you fulfill your godly purpose. Because we believe that God has a purpose for each person here. And the community you surround yourself with will help you either get to that purpose or will prevent you from ever getting there. We've seen it. Godly community, it's so important. That's why I believe it is important for you, if you consider Impact Your Church Home, that's why I believe it's important for you to come here consistently. It's hard to have community at a place that you don't come a lot, right? That's why I believe it's important for you to come here consistently. Um, you don't come here because you just need the knowledge. I mean, yeah, we'll, you, we can learn stuff, but I'm teaching you from the same book that you all have. Like, that's all I'm doing. You're not, you don't come here necessarily just for the worship because you have Spotify or Apple Music. You can listen to this worship. I believe the most important reason you need to come here is for the community that is built here. That's what I believe. And on top of that, you're only experiencing half of what Impact Church has to offer you if you're not part of an impact group. You only experience about half. Because yes, Sundays are great, but where you get really deep is your community through groups. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruits in seasons, and whose leaf does not wither. Whether they, whatever they do prospers. See, when you are in godly community, it's like you're a tree planted by a stream. That's what you're like. You're a tree planted by a stream, because we all need that root in our life. And just like that tree planted by a stream of water, when you are part of godly community, you will also grow. Here, here's our main point. You won't grow without the proper support. You want to grow in your walk? You're not going to do it without the proper support. Without being a tree by a stream, you need that proper support in your life if you want to grow and look more like Jesus. But here's what's hard about that. Godly community consists of regular people. And regular people consist of regular problems. 
So sometimes we enter into godly community and what happens? We get hurt because these regular people are also sinful and use that relationship to hurt us. But even with the risk of being hurt, it's so important. Why? Because godly community challenges who you used to be while giving you the grace to become who you need to be. We all need that. We all need that. So, godly community is so important. And I believe that you can put it into three different circles. And on your impact notes, you have three circles if you want to write these out. But here's what I believe if we're looking at godly community, the most practical way that we can actually start to have that. Here's the first one. It's church community. The big thing is our church community, that we all should be part of some kind of local body of Christ, the church. That is the, if you're here, that's the, the 60 to 70 people that come here, if this is your local church. That, that's who that is, that we all should have that. These are people that are completely different from you, people that you have, honestly probably wouldn't even be friends with in other life, but you're here and you get to know different people that are diverse and have different strengths and, and like, like the Bible calls it, like we are, like it's a bunch of parts of the body that's working for the same goal. See, together we can do so much. Together we can do that. We can make this an inviting place because we do it together. All those numbers I gave you, we couldn't do that by ourselves. That's together we're able to do that. We're able to teach kids and adults about a God who loves them together. We're able to impact our neighborhoods together. The church community is the big one, the first circle that you need to think about. The next circle in your godly community should be your group community. Your group community. That's that local group that you can get smaller with and more intimate with. Because here you can meet people and you can become friends, but you can't have intimate relationships here. That happens in your group community. So finding those 10 to 12 people that you can be intentional about learning about Scripture, about talking, about talking about your accountability, about doing all of that, that, that's super important. Now, most of us stop here. But I believe that there's another group of community that we all desperately need and that you have to be intentional about. And I think this is the most important one, your core community. These are the two to three people that you can be completely open and honest with. These are the people that you can completely be vulnerable with, reveal yourself to. Those are the two to three people that you can do everything. You can share absolutely everything with them. And it should not be your spouse, okay? It should be someone of the same sex. It should not be your spouse. Your spouse is great. You need two or three people that you can talk to that when you have spouse problems, you can talk to them, and they're not going to tell you, yeah, well, because she sucks. Yeah, it's because he's the worst. No, but they're going to help you work towards a godly solution. Two or three people in your core community you share everything with, that you share everything with. When you have struggles in marriage, you can go to them and they will be honest with you and they will talk to you about it. When you have doubts in your faith, you can go to them and you can talk to your doubts and they're not going to judge you about it. When you get angry at work and you don't know why, you can go to your two or three core people and they can talk to you about solutions on how to fix this. This should not be anyone. This should be people that are willing to run the same race as you that are willing to run with you to the same destination. And we get this example from Jesus. This is where we get this example from. See, Jesus, he had thousands of followers. We're all, we're, if you say you're a follower of Jesus, then we're part of the bigger body of Christ that is, is a lot more than us. But he also had 70 disciples that, that followed him around, 70. That was his church community. But out of those 70, there was 12 he hung out with all the time. That was his group community. Then out of those 12, there were three of them, James, Peter, and John, that he hung out with all the time, that he did everything with, 
that he connected, that he loved the most. That was his core community. So if that's his example, I think it's an example we should maybe follow. I think we should maybe follow that example. But there's four things I want to talk to you about that if you decide to do this, to enter into godly community, into a church community, into a group community, and then, more importantly, a core community. Four things that are going to happen. Four things. Number one, you will start to move into purpose. You will move into purpose. I remember when, um, when we were planting Impact Church and we were thinking about it years ahead of time, I um, talked to my wife and we talked to some people. Then I went to some of my core community and asked them what they thought. Um, Topper's in the back is one of my core people that knows me. I've known him since he was a little kid. And since I guess I was a little kid. I'm a little older. Uh, my brother is a person I can do that. And those people that if I went to them and it was a bad idea, they would tell me. And here's how I know. When I decided I was going to propose to my wife, Erica, we had only been dating for less than six months when I proposed. I met her two months before we started dating. That's way too fast, okay, right? Everyone would agree. We would agree now. My kids are not getting engaged that quickly, okay? So it was around that time, and I went to, to Topper and to my brother Shane and said, hey, I'm thinking about proposing to this girl that I literally met six months ago. I think I'm about proposing. And my brother said, that's a terrible idea. You should not do that. I don't think, listen, I like her. It's way too quick. You should not do that. And he was completely honest. He did not hold anything back. And because he's part of my core community, I didn't get mad. I said, you know what? I'll think about it. You might be right. And then a week later, after I really thought about what he had to say, and he, took it, he let it all out, he was completely honest with me. I went, you know what? I, I still think that I'm going to do that. And he went, okay, then I'm in. If you've heard me, and we went, move forward. Core community, godly community can help you move into purpose. But here's the deal. You have to commit. You have to commit to this. You can't just hope that this community just happens on its own. You have to commit. You have to sacrifice in order to have this happen. Let's look at the example of Jesus and Peter. Let's look at that example in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who will later be called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Simon, who will later be called Peter, he dropped everything to follow Jesus into this new purpose. See, godly community, it takes sacrifice. If you want to move into that purpose, it takes sacrifice. You might have to sacrifice some time to make sure that you are finding those core people or that group or that church in order to make sure you have that community. It's going to sacrifice time. It might sacrifice, you might have to sacrifice habits, habits that you have in your life, things that are not working. You might have to sacrifice other friends. This is hard, but you might have to sacrifice some other friends in order to have friends that are actually going to take you to the direction and the destination you actually want to go. But when you are intentional and you're willing to sacrifice, it will lead to purpose. Let's see how it continues in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 through 18. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. See, Simon had a good purpose. He was a fisherman. Good job. Good job and good purpose. That was great. But Jesus took Simon and transformed him to his new purpose of Peter. And Peter was the rock. And that's what Jesus built his church on, on the rock, Peter. See, godly community speaks into who you will be more than who you are. 
We all need that. There are times you're going to mess up. You need your godly community to be around you and say, listen, you are a faithful man of God. Even though you're pretty inconsistent right now, you are a faithful man of God. And if you keep going, you will move into that purpose. Listen, you are a loved daughter. I know you feel broken right now, and I know you feel worthless, but you are a loved daughter of the King. We all need that community to move us into purpose, number one. Move us into purpose. Number two, when you part of God of the community, you will be challenged. I promise that you will be challenged. When you are in true godly community, you will be challenged. See, godly community cares more about you than it cares about your acceptance. Because we all desperately crave acceptance. We all want that. Godly community cares more about you than just you accepting them. Listen, I had some friends that um, were really fun to hang out with. And they loved that I liked them. And if I wanted to do something bad, I would call them up and they would do it. If there was like a guy who was messing with me and I, was, and I would call a friend like, hey, this dude's messing with me. Be like, all right, I'm getting my bat. Let's go take care of this right now. I had friends that would do that. And listen, those friends were fun. Those friends made me laugh. Those friends weren't leading me to my purpose. They were cool to hang out with. They were fun at times. But ultimately, I wasn't going to be the person God wanted me to be if I kept hanging out with that community. We all need godly community. Yeah, they'll laugh. You'll laugh when you're around them. Yeah, you're going to have fun. You're going to like them. But they also will allow you to destroy your life because they want your acceptance. You need godly community that cares more about you and is willing to challenge you over things that you shouldn't be doing because they care more about you than they do about your acceptance. Godly community doesn't do that. Godly community makes you better. Listen to how Jesus and Peter we see this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 29-31. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Here's what godly community does. Godly community extends their hand to you while you're sinking, and when, once you're safe on the boat, says, why'd you doubt? What were you doing? Reaches out, grabs you, and says, come on. You're better than that. You know better than that. See, godly community doesn't allow you to settle just so they don't hurt your feelings. Godly community is always there pushing and trying to help you improve. Maybe for you, you, you go out one night, and you get smashed drunk. And you get home the next day and your godly community is there and your core community is there. And you know what? They're going to hold your hair while you're puking and they're going to be there to make sure you're okay. When you wake up, you'll have a Gatorade ready. But then once you're up, they're like, all right, we need to talk about last night because last night was not a great example. That's what godly community does. Maybe for you, you're, you're struggling with finances and, and godly community will say, you know what? If you need help, stay at my house. You lose your house because your finances are so much in debt. Stay at my house. And when you get here, we're going to make a budget plan because we're not going to settle for this. But I'm here to help you. Reach out a hand. Godly community will challenge you, and we need to be challenged because we need to grow into the, our purpose. Number two, we'll be challenged. And then number three, this one's not going to be fun, but when you're in godly community, you will get hurt. I promise. You're going to get hurt. And it's not fun, and no one wants to get hurt, but you will get hurt. See, we do, and I say we because myself included, we do everything we can to avoid pain and to avoid being hurt and avoid our feelings being hurt. Uh, we, we do all of that stuff. That's why some of us are on our phones all the time because 
we get a little distracted and we start thinking about stuff, like, oh, I got to get my phone and just like, distract myself. That's why some of you are just all over social media because when you're alone by yourself and not with your phone and not on social media, then you start to think about your life and you start to feel pain. Like, I don't like the way this feels. I need to distract myself. That's why people abuse alcohol and drugs because they're trying to mask a pain because all of us try to avoid pain. But I was reading an article from Psychology Today that said um, that pain is necessary in order for you to grow. And here's the five reasons. They gave five reasons why, that we need, why we need to accept pain in order to be eventually happy. Here's a couple reasons. One, because um, when you will be able to recognize pleasure more if you suffer through pain. It's hard to recognize something good if everything's always good. But if you go through bad things, then when the good things happen, you can, are you able to recognize it more, number one. Number two, um, there is relief from pain boosts your pleasure. When you have relief, eventually you feel all this pain and then eventually it doesn't anymore, then you feel pleasure higher than if you never had pain. That's what Psychology Today says. Um, it forms social bonds, number three. forms social bonds. You can connect with somebody else on a deeper level because maybe both of you have gone through the same pain. So you're able to connect in a way that you never were before. Number four, you have permission to reward yourself when you go through pain. That's why um, when you shovel the snow, when you get back in, that coffee or that hot chocolate tastes so good after you shovel snow, right? Because you went through pain and you rewarded yourself, right? You deserve the reward, hot chocolate or coffee. That's why that feels better. And then number five, it captures your attention and helps you to live in the moment. When you go through pain, you start to understand you're in the moment right now. Understanding that. See, when we are in godly community, we're made up of people that aren't perfect, you will get hurt. You will get hurt. So in Matthew chapter 28, verse 39 through 40, here's an example. Jesus is about to go to um, the thing he doesn't want to do the most, and that's die on a cross. So he gets his core community together and says, hey, I need your help. I want you just to come, and I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to go to the garden. I just need to pray. I just need you to just be there with me. I need my group here. I need my friends here while I go and pray. And he goes and pray and looks what happened with Peter and some of the core group in Matthew chapter 26, 39 through 40. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so, did you not watch for an hour? Dude, I, I, I needed you. And you couldn't do it for an hour? Jesus goes back to pray, and they fall asleep two more times. I mean, think about this. Put yourself in your shoes. You call your friends up because you are going through something, the worst pain you've ever gone through in life. You're going through that pain. You say, I just need my friends here. I just need people around me as I try to figure this out. And they come over, and in an hour, they're sleeping. You're going to be hurt. Jesus felt hurt. Jesus felt betrayed. He felt pain because of his core group. So you're not going to grow without the proper support. Your godly community is full of regular people, and that's going to cause pain. There's going to be times where you ask someone to come over, and you feel like they're just ditching you. You're like, what happened? Why weren't you there? You text somebody, you're like, why did you text me back? I needed you. That will happen. Every time you're in community, there will be pain. But that pain and that hurt is going to help us to get to number four, which we all need to learn. And number four is this. You will learn how to forgive. Because of that pain, you're going to learn how to forgive. And we all need to understand how to forgive. We all need to learn it. So you can allow that pain to just destroy you, or you can allow that pain to make you better. Because you're going to learn 
how to forgive through the godly community you're in. See, Peter, Peter's not done hurting Jesus. No. Peter goes on and eventually he gets arrested. Uh, Jesus does. And Peter's there. He's watching all this happen. And here's what happens in, in Luke chapter 22, verse 56 through 60. It says, Then a servant girl seeing him, that's Peter, as he sat in the light and looking closely at him said, This man also was with him. Talking about Peter being with Jesus. But he denied it. Saying, woman, I don't know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. But Peter said, man, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also is with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Just hours before Peter was willing to kill a centurion in order to save Jesus. And now he says, I don't even know him. Peter continually hurt Jesus over and over and over. He continually hurt it. And Jesus addressed the pain that Peter caused him, just like in the garden. He addressed that pain, but he didn't abandon the friendship. Peter, why'd you fall asleep, man? What were you doing? He addressed it without abandoning the relationship. A lot of us, we don't do that. If you have a friend who fell asleep on your dire time and they denied they even knew you, you would have abandoned them, wouldn't you? I would have. said, no, forget you. That's how you're going to treat me? But Jesus brings it up, talks to them, and still keeps the relationship. See, godly community, it takes you being vulnerable. And when you're able to be open and open up yourself, and talk about what you are feeling, and talk to somebody else, you are also able to forgive. When you forgive, you get a glimpse of what Jesus did for you. We learn how to forgive. So when you are in that godly community, you feel that pain, our goal and our desire is going to be to run. Forget that community, forget that relationship. But Jesus didn't run. He addressed it, and he brought it up. And some of you, you might need to bring it up with some friends. Hey, feel like we haven't been connecting. Hey, I, I, when you did this, it's really hurt me. You need, might need to bring that up. But you're going to learn how to forgive because you're going to be intentional about your community, about your godly community. And I want to talk specifically to the men here right now. I know this is more of a stereotype, but I, I'm one of you. For a lot of us, we don't like being vulnerable. Hey, how's it going? I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Things are fine. Nothing's wrong. Your, your friend might really hurt you. No, it's fine. It's not a big deal. I, I don't even care. Listen, you need to be vulnerable. Because not being vulnerable, we see it as a sign of weakness. I see it as pride. We need to be open and find someone that we can connect with. I heard a pastor say it this way. If you were meant to be the Savior, God would have sent you to die. But since he didn't, we need to allow it and take it to our Savior. For some of you men... We need to find that person that we can be completely open and vulnerable to. So after Jesus is betrayed, he goes and he takes up on a cross and he dies. And three days later, he comes back to life and he comes back. And when he gets out of the tomb, there's no one there waiting. Jesus said he was coming back three days later to Peter, to his core group, to his community. They weren't there because they didn't believe him. They would have been there. They're out. And know what Peter's doing? fishing. He went back to his old life because it's, it's over. 
And then look how Jesus responds to Peter in John chapter 21, 15 through 17. Oh, sorry, yeah, go back, Tyler, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, go back in, I'm, I'm confused myself, my bad. He comes and he's, ba- he's by the beach and Peter's on this boat. And he looks out at the beach and he sees Jesus standing there. And he jumps out of the boat and he swims over. And when he gets there, they eat breakfast. And here's what Jesus says to, to Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Didn't call him Peter. Called him Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then for a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus was talking to Peter's old nature. He said, Peter, you you claim to love me. You claim to have love for me. But do you love me for what I've done? Or do you love me for me? See, Peter had lied to Jesus. Peter wasn't there when Jesus needed him. Peter fell asleep on Jesus. And then Peter went back to his old nature to be Simon fishing on a boat again. But Jesus still did not give up on the relationship. Why? Because godly community is important. You won't grow without the proper support. So the question I'm going to close with and then send you guys out of here. Do you have that type of relationship in your life? Are you just hoping it will just come your way? Or are you taking an effort and being intentional about making sure you have that church community, that group community, and that core community. I have um, a guy I meet with once a month. He's a mentor of mine. He's an he's a older gentleman in his like 50s or 60s that has been a pastor for a long time. And so uh, I, wanted, I was looking for someone to like talk to and just be myself. And um, so I get coffee with this guy. His name's Ken, once a month. You know how that started? I called him. I didn't wait for him to call me. He said, hey, I could really use some support. Can I meet with you? He said, yeah, sure. And we went and got coffee, and now every time before we leave, I set up another date for another month, next month. Here's when we're going to meet again. And we, sometimes we talk about nothing, sometimes we talk about, talk about important things. But I was intentional and took that first step. For some of you, you're waiting for that community to come to you. You need to take a step. For you, you need to find a local church. If this is your local church, and you've already done that. For some of you, you need to get into a group, into a smaller setting, and find those 10 or 12 people, just like Jesus did, that you can be intentional with. And then for others of you, you need to find that core. Who are those people that you're thinking about right now that you could be more intentional about? And you can be honest and open and vulnerable with them. Because when you do that, you will start to move into the purpose that God has given you that community is going to help you get there. It's going to challenge you. It's going to push you there. You're going to be challenged by it. And when they hurt you, which they will, you're going to learn how to forgive. You're not going to abandon the relationship just like Jesus didn't abandon his relationship with Peter. So we all need godly community. You won't grow.
without the proper support. So as I pray, I want to encourage you as you leave here, whoever those people are, if you don't have some of those communities, if you don't have that church community, come talk to me. If you don't have that, that group community yet, we start groups this week. You can go out to the iPads and look at the groups we're offering and try to find one that fits with your time and your schedule. And if you, those don't work, and you don't have that core community, find those people, send a text today, set up lunch, set up coffee with somebody, and be open and vulnerable with those people. Because if you want to move into the purpose God has given you, you need godly community. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for being a communal God, a God that has made us in your image and a God that wants us to have a relationship with you and wants us to have a relationship with each other. God, I pray for all of us in the room here. We all know we need community. We all know we need relationships. But for some of us, it's hard to take that first step be intentional about having godly community. God, I pray that you just convict us. Remind us how important it is to have the right community. Because you have a purpose for us, and the people we hang out with can prevent us from getting to that purpose. God, I pray that the people here that are looking for a church home, that they are able to find it, whether it's here or anywhere else, that they're able to find a place that they can be with a bigger group. For the people here that are looking for a smaller group, I pray that, that they're able to find one here or be able to find one that fits their schedule. Dear God, for the people that desperately need a core community, I pray that you encourage them this week. You remind us, send that text, to be intentional. God, I thank you for the example you give us of community. That even when it hurt, and even when your relationships were hurting you, and even when we hurt you, you don't abandon it. And thank you for being a God that loves us and wants to have community with us. We love you and we praise you. In your son's name.